great Scott. Are you a sports fan who loves to have a good laugh? Oh, yeah. Then you're in the right place. I'm going to make him an offer again. Life moves pretty fast. Like my dad, oh, he ain't on board with the comedy thing, not at all. Tells me regularly, but my dad's a dick. Remember, he's a dick. That's his thing. He's like, Brian, I hate that you're a comedian, but at least you're not in prison. <laughs> what? Like, that's the ballpark? <laughs> and my mom, I told her she's gangster. She's like, Brian, your dad's stupid. Prison makes everybody hilarious. <laughs> Like, who's right? Like, I don't, I don't It's a weird argument, you know? Like, I mean, you guys have met, like, you know me for about five minutes now. I wouldn't do well in prison. My dad's totally right. Like, he's, he's on to something. Like, I'm in the face lotions and shit. Like, <laughs> swear to God, I'll teach you how to not get premature wrinkles. Like, ladies, you better understand. My older brother's gay, okay? Like, I miss the gay bus like one fucking chromosome. <laughs> That shit was so close. Oh. Daddy was getting ready for school, all right? Lunch was just a little late that morning, all right? I smell some hot dick when it walks in the room, like. I don't want nothing to do with it, though. That's a weird spider sense, you know? Like, it's fucking weird. It's weird for everybody. Everybody. Like, my dad, he, he trips out. Then I'm gonna come out of the closet and he's gonna go two for two on gay sons. He's scared, oh, oh my goodness, Becky, he's scared. Right, because that means he was doing some gay shit himself. We can all totally agree. <laughs> totally, but I tell you, my dad's a dick. My dad's dying of cancer, dying of fucking cancer, hand to God. And he says, chemotherapy doesn't make me throw up, but your jokes do. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's podcast. This week I have a stand-up comedian, Brian Moreno. Brian, how you doing? Good, my man. How's life treating you? Uh, so far so good, but it's only 5 o'clock here in LA, so you don't know, the day could get worse as it goes on. Alright, it's almost dinner time for you. Yeah, almost, almost. So you want to tell You're in Ohio, right? Where, where are you located? Massachusetts. Massachusetts, well, I wasn't close at all. Yeah, it's okay. So you want <laughs> you want to tell the listeners where you're from? Yeah, sure. I'm actually I'm a comedian based in Los Angeles, California. I uh, I was basically came out here uh, when I was 10, 11 years old. I you know one of the few locals, I suppose, not really a transplant. I got my start as the MC at the House of Blues on Sunset. You know, I got to bring up all kinds of cool bands and they gave me a comedy room and the room kind of blew up and they taught me, you know, how to speak in front of big crowds. And then the house of blues a couple years ago closed down. And from there I've been, you know, a local comedian. I play at the improv, the laugh factory, not so much at the comedy store, but every, you know, that's okay in time. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of comedy clubs out there. Sure. Like on Friday, I'm at the ice house. And, and I mean, there is a lot of opportunity, but the three main clubs out in L.A. are Laugh Factory, Comedy Store, and Improv. Those are the three clubs that everyone wants to be at. Yeah. So how did you say you uh, started at the House of Blues? 
I, I was the MC. Okay. I would I would get to, I would get to bring up bands. Sometimes promoters would call me, and they'd be like, uh, "The band that all these people paid for." You know, there's 900 people out here. They all paid to see this band, and the bus broke down. They're not gonna make it, and you have to let them know that they're going to see a different band and they're not going to get refunded, but go be funny. Here's 50 bucks. And like, it would be a crazy hard gig. And I learned very quickly how to not, you know, get things thrown at me. And, you know, from there they gave me a room where I started comedy and it was how called house of blues comedy. And it was a really big deal for a while. And that's kind of how I got my start. How how did it go the first time you did stand up? Oh, brutally bad. The first time I did stand, I was, I was really bad. I, I didn't know at all what I was doing. I thought I was going to be Mitch Hedberg, and I, being from LA, I actually had to leave Los Angeles when I first started because I knew too many people out here. And when you first start, you get on stage by inviting your friends to come see you. And I couldn't have my friends see me be horrible because I knew they'd never come back. So I had actually I stayed in north jersey and i i guess they're actually i it was south jersey right outside of philadelphia and i would take buses between philadelphia and new york to do the open mics normally i would take the china the five dollar chinese bus (laughs) and that's how i would do the open mics and it'd be crazy but i learned you know how how to be a little better in, in front of people i didn't know and sometimes that makes it easier because when you're in front of people you know you have to you you have to perform or they just don't look at you the same. Yeah. You, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I'm actually kind of in the same situation. I want to try stand up, and I was talking to another comic and this is the, I told him that I want to go try it. He goes, when you go and try it, do not bring your friends. He's yeah. Like, you got to fail. That's why I had to totally leave. So yeah, I, totally. So I said to him, I was like, okay, I'll just bring my wife, you know, so we could just go together. And he goes, you might want to take separate cars because you might be going home crying after you're, you know, because you're probably going to, he goes, 80% of comics bomb their first time. That's what he's telling me. Well, and it's not even, oh, it's not, a, you don't expect like to get a movie deal or anything your exactly. first time. But about bringing your wife, you don't want, you, this is the thing, especially when you're learning to trust your instincts on stage and you're learning to trust your voice and when you're figuring out where the beats are, you don't want to have to worry about what people think you know, people close to you think you just want to be able to create your art as it comes. You don't want any roadblocks mentally because you already have enough because you're just learning. But secondly, the people that you know, especially your wife, they ain't never going to look at your jokes the way you, like a someone who doesn't know you. Yeah. You know, they have a personal investment and sometimes, it, it, you know, the jokes... Um, may be funny because of the inside information that you guys have, or maybe the jokes aren't funny because they're personal. So even in that case, they're never going to look at you like an audience member who has no, nothing invested in. Yeah. You know, because I have a lot of regulars. I probably have, you know, 900 just regulars Yeah. that come, you know, that I, you know, shake all their hands and I always got to deliver new material. And sometimes, you know, it falls flat. Something is just different. You, you know, yeah, and you perform every weekend, correct? I perform every well, I, I mean, I try to perform every night, but that's sometimes not exactly possible. But yeah, tonight, 
we perform at just a tiny little little theater outside of UCLA for a bunch of college kids, you know. And then Friday night, I there's this bar that uh, actually this Friday I'm at the Ice House, but every other Friday for probably four years now, there's this bar in Culver City. It's just a tiny little bar that looks like sex crimes happen in it. Like it's grimy and gross, and you know the beer is cheap, and everyone there looks like. You know, they're not a, they're not about to commit suicide, but it's crossed their mind in the last 24 hours. You know, like it's, yeah. it's dirty. And I literally I plug in a microphone to the DJ booth and I tell jokes behind the bar next to the bartender. If nobody else comes with me, I'll do 45 minutes on my own. Yeah. And if I can get six, eight people to pay attention and laugh and enjoy themselves and I can get 400. It's it's, you know, big crowds are easier than little ones. But it's when people really, you know, when they don't want anything to do with comedy and you can hold their attention, that says some like you're you're getting better. Yeah. I don't know if you're funny, but you're getting better if, if you can do that. When you try new material, do you try it in the smaller crowd or do you go like when you're in a bigger? It all, it all depends, man. It all depends. Like sometimes you try to pepper new stuff in in the middle once you already have them. You know, once because first off, you got to get people on your side. You know, you got to get people, you got to break them down just a little bit. And depending on where you are on the lineup, depending on the kind of crowd it is, but you get them on your side. And, you know, like I've made the mistake with opening up for new material and just bombing. Yeah. You know, it's like because there was a time, you know, I've done, I only hit seven years in comedy this Thanksgiving and I've done real well in a short period of time, but I work really, really hard. And I've failed tremendously, and I try to learn from my failures. But there have been times where I got a big head, and I thought, oh, just everything I say is going to be funny. And, oh, every time I've thought that, I've been proven brutally wrong. Like, brutally wrong. <laughs> but that's time. You know, it's time and work, and now you kind of know. And there's nobody. You could put me up in front of two homeless guys. I'll be good. Yeah. You know? They don't even have to speak English. Like, I'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, you ever been heckled on stage? Yeah, but when you see my comedy, it's not like, yes, I have been heckled, but I nip stuff in the bud really quickly. And I try to, okay, I, there are people who are more funny than me. You, you, you sometimes have to nip it in the bud with the heckler, but other times... Yeah. yeah, but you just I try to get people on my side right away. That's something that I do. And 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 other people depends what your comedy is, though. Some people, yeah. they like to go to dark places quicker than I do. I'm, you know, I, I'm not inspirational, I wouldn't say, but I like to point out that I like people to be better and I like people to try things. And I'm all about. People sticking, you know, their neck out there, and I don't believe in perfection. I believe in, you know, just getting better. Yeah. Like, so it's like I and I preach that I, uh, to people all the time, and I, it comes out of my comedy. So yeah, I don't feel like I suffer as many hecklers as some of my counterparts who are just trying to do like set up punch jokes, and you know, and and I'm also very high energy and intense. And when you're when you're like that. You get pe you get people's attention. It's just a matter of you can hold their attention. Yeah. The Man Cave Chronicles on Twitter at the MCC Podcast. We'll be right back. 
Hey guys, Brian Padone here, founder of Quiet Punch. When I'm not listening to the Man Cave Chronicles, you can catch me filming one of my live workouts on quietpunch.com. Check it out today. That's quietpunch.com. This is John Poveromo, and you're listening to the Man Cave Chronicles. What, um, you want to uh, tell the listeners, what is your uh, act about? Uh, when you say it's, I mean, it's, I'm a storyteller. Yeah. That's what I, so just, I mean, it's about a lot of things, but it's all, it's usually about, I, and I firmly believe this is why I got into comedy is because it's about one person's perspective and you getting instantaneous feedback on that perspective. So that's what my comedy is about perspective, you know, my perspective on whatever. Yeah. What's the worst place you ever performed at? Man, the place I told you I do for years, I still do. <laughs> it's called Carbon. It's called Carbon on Venice Boulevard. Every other Friday. Yeah. I'm gonna be there on the twenty it's grimy, it's dark, it's just red light. I it it's it's Yeah. What is uh what's your favorite place you ever performed at? It's absolutely the Hollywood improv. Like that's my home. Hollywood improv. Yeah, I'm there. As much as possible. That's my home. That was the first major club that passed me and to give me love, and I'll always reciprocate. Yeah. If I ever get the opportunity to do a comedy special, and you know, I hope I do, but that will be where I shoot it. That's that's my place. Yeah. Um, who's the who's your favorite person you ever opened up for? Uh, I currently open up for Orny Adams. Yeah. He's awesome. I saw so that. Orny's he, very- He's a funny guy. Oh, he's yeah, and he's about to film his. Uh, so your listeners know he's about to film his special on his show, his brand new Showtime special called "More Than Loud" on September 9th here in LA. So if anyone's interested in tickets, they can shoot me a message. But he's one of a kind. He he did it his own way, and it's it's very admirable. You know, I um, I've gotten to open for Theo Vaughn and Bobby Lee. Uh, Keith Alberstadt, a lot, a lot of, a lot of cool guys. But I, you know, working as much as I do at the Improv, I've gotten to be on the same stage with a lot of really awesome people. You know, and that's it's always to me. Uh, you know, I love comedy, so it's always nice just to be around people who've been doing it for so long. Yeah. Who do you? Who's your favorite uh, performer? Like, who did you look up to in stand-up well, comedy? George- George Carlin was what did it for me. Yeah. When I saw someone, he could just like, uh, he could just enter your mind with those words, you know, he could really affect you yeah. because I'm not musically inclined. And I felt like that was kind of like music. Yeah. I know my wife yells at me. If I start playing stand up comedy in the car, she's like, can we just listen to something else? You're always listening to this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like it's either that or sports radio. So, yeah, I I personally I I love the medium just because the way you know it really affects people. But don't get me wrong, I listen to Colin Cowherd every morning also. So, yeah. <laughs> um, do you uh, are you hoping someday you have like a comedy album that comes out too, like on iTunes or something? Yeah, that would be, I would hope in the next three years or so I get my first, my shot at my first one. Yeah. You know, because like I say, I'm only about to hit seven years. 
Okay. And between 10 and 12 is when you really figure things out. Like, it takes time, man. Yeah. It takes so much time and effort and failure. God, you got to. And and it's like, I, I don't like <laughs> the times when I've bombed, but a part of me does because I really, man, I hated being bad. And you have to hate sucking. Like, because there are people that I still, I just don't get it. They've been doing comedy 10, 12 years. They just don't care. They don't care about not getting laughed. Yeah. You got to really care and you got to edit. And you got to look inside and you got to edit more. And and then you get a little better. And then because I still look at my when I grade myself, even the times when I feel like I do really well and then I watch my sets, I'm like, oh, man, that's still just a B, B minus. Yeah. Actually, that's what I was going to ask you. Is like, Do you still record yourself when you're doing stand up? Yeah, well, actually, I just opened for Orny at the Irvine Improv, and he recorded my set, and it was solid, very solid set. But I watch it, and I still see like a couple times where I said a few, uh, the same word a few too many times in a sentence. Like there are just things that I know it takes away, and I didn't, I could have said, you know, I could have said woman instead of she, just because of the way it sounded with the other, you know, like there are just things. Like oh, it makes the joke funnier if I say it. And that's what you you have to be hard on yourself. You got to remember. And you got to edit, yeah. edit, edit, edit. Yeah, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Well, hopefully not. You know, hopefully not. I really enjoy the craft. I, I did more than anything. Um. So yeah. So I wrote down some things that are trending today. You ready for this? Yeah, let's do it. All let's right. do it. So one of the one of the first things that I read this morning was that Kid Rock is teasing a possible Senate run. Yeah, I actually, I actually saw what state is this, is this for? Kentucky. I didn't actually read the article. Because <laughs> I, well, saw... I think that sums everything up. Right? I think that sums everything up. That's how much we believe. Uh, yeah, he started a website. If I if I remember correctly, he started a website and he said the website is real, like a Kid Rock campaign website. But I think this is how it's for Michigan. From Michigan, really? Well, he is he's from a De- Detroit guy. He's from Detroit, I think. Okay. Well, I guess Jesse Ventura was governor. He was a governor of Minnesota. This, yeah. So I guess you know, I I don't I I know very little about Kid Rock. I just know that every time I hear about him, it's like a fake death hoax or something. So. I guess as long as he's still alive, he might as well try. And, you know, the people of Michigan, well, I, th- I don't know if they're thinking straight because of all the lead in the water, but I don't, <laughs> you know, I don't know how that affects the brain, but yeah. I guess he, I guess he stands a chance. Yeah. Well, there was rumors the other day that supposedly the rock is going to run for president in 2020. Well, if there's one, if there's one guy who seems to have the golden touch, it's that guy. Jesus, yeah. he can he can stand the wrath of a Kevin Hart bad movie jinx, and nobody even blinks. Yeah, yeah. like like The Rock. Oh my goodness! I mean, that guy to go from WWF to to the biggest movie star in the world, unfucking believable. And he did it fast too. Oh well. You know, I don't know, I don't know what the time frame was, but what did they say? I think he pulled in. You know, his he's getting twenty five mil per movie now or something. Yeah. That's nuts. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, they co- they compared him to like Arnold and Sylvester. Yeah, I yeah, I mean, I guess, but uh, but what uh, what movies would you say like can stand the test of like any of the Rambo's or the or Rockies. or or Conan? Yeah, 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 yeah. If you if you try, you can't really compare those movies to the Rocks movies. Yeah. Or Predator, you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, original Predator. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> like, what a badass movie. Yeah, I think The Rock needs something like that, man. Yeah, he needs that one movie where it'll blow him up even more. Yeah, it's- because it's like I, I remember the one he did with Sean William Carter when they're out in the forest or whatever, whatever his name is. The guy with three names. Yeah, the guy, was in, the guy uh, from American Pie. Yeah, Sean William. Yeah, is it Sean William Scott. Pretty- yeah. Sean Williams got this solid film. They're out in the forest, and but I never saw like that action guy. Like, like I guess he's, but he's a good actor and he does acting movies. Yeah, and I guess Sylvester's so like, what has he done that would compare with the Terminator? Man, I know, I know. Like, I I don't know if anything could ever compete with Terminator Two, but you know, yeah, <laughs> I think he's got to try. Yeah. Well, here's the thing, you know, he's a big star. So, you know, if somebody told you, hey, I'll give you $25 million and you want to be in the next Baywatch movie, you're not going to say no. No, I know. And he might be under obligation to that studio. And yeah. like, if you do this, you can take the next, you know. Correct. Yeah, because that's a lot, of, a lot of how Hollywood is. He might have signed a three movie deal and he's only got so much veto power. Yeah. The next topic that I saw was today is National French Fry Day. And then I wrote, do we really need that? Well, I think everyone's trying to get in on days now. Like every, everything. They're, they got National Pharmacy Day. Man. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? National Sneaker Day. Like there's everything. The Best Friends Day. Like come on. And I see girls post that at least twice a year. That's such a lie. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's just trying to get in on a day, man. Like the donut shops got a national donut day. Like it's not a, it's not that if we need it or not. I just think everyone needs a day. Yeah. When's when's our when is when is it going to be our day? Yeah, National Comedian Day, right? <laughs> national Podcasters Day. There you go. Right? Seriously. <laughs> and the last thing that I wrote was uh, McGregor versus uh, Mayweather. What are your thoughts on that? Oh man, I I I feel like uh, I feel like I'm such a sucker. Like that's what it makes me feel like. Like I'm a sucker because I'm I'm going to get the fight. Like I'm dev- I'm probably going to do a comedy show at my buddy's place, the most beautiful view you've seen of LA. We're going to do a comedy show before and then watch the fight after. And it's like it's going to be it's just not going to be good. Nothing, no fight I've ever seen of Mayweather has ever been good. And if this one, what's the difference going to be? It's never, he's never, like, he's just going to play defense. Nothing's going to happen. And I'm going to be a sucker because I watched the, the press conferences. I listened to Mayweather ta- or listen to McGregor talk and I believe him. And he says all the right things to, to just get you, get you watching. So I, I feel like I'm a sucker. I, I, I told my coworker today at work, like, I'm going to spend $100 on this fight to watch Mayweather hug him for 12 rounds. Yeah, I know. And that's why it just kills me. 
I I I feel like, and if you're gonna bet, it's like plus eleven hundred to bet if uh, Mayweather wins by disqualification. Yeah, that's that's I think a good bet. You get eleven hundred on a hundred. Mayweather wins by a disqualification from McGregor because I feel like McGregor some point in time might get tired or pissed and just do, you know, yeah. throw him to the ground and get disqualified. I don't know. But I mean, I've watched, I've watched highlights of the interviews and like McGregor is destroyed him in the interviews. Yeah, totally. But I feel like a lot of this stuff, like he's, some of it's like he's just saying like the key words to to get people. You know, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Well, and here's the other thing. I have a feeling they're gonna fight again. This is not over after the first fight. Uh, probably not. Depending on how it ends. Yeah. Like, on a real, do you think McGregor has a shot beating Mayweather? Uh, I the only reason I would say yes, he has a shot, is just because Mayweather's forty some and. Yeah. In boxing, it's like if you catch, if you catch like a solid hook on them, uh, but I just don't think, I just don't think the fight's gonna be any good. Yeah, I just don't know how it can be any good. Even if he does have a chance, if if he catches Floyd Mayweather with one punch, Mayweather's just gonna hold, you know, hold his defense, grab him the whole time, and nothing's ever gonna happen. So I don't, I, but I, but I have strong feelings about this just because I feel like I'm the perfect sucker for this. That's the exact same words I used that I used when I was telling my coworkers like I'm gonna spend a hundred dollars on this and then I'm gonna be pissed. (laughs) (laughs) And of course he turns around and goes, "Give me the hundred (laughs) dollars." Yeah. Right. Totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Is there uh, anything else you want to tell the listeners? Um. Well, I guess tell any of your listeners. Um. It, it's my pleasure to be here, and anyone who's ever in Los Angeles. My name is Brian Moreno. If you find me on social media, if you shoot me a message, I'll make sure you get into one of the, the major comedy clubs absolutely free. You and your friends, absolutely free, even if I'm not performing. The least I can do is hook people up. You know, I love I love giving people a chance to support the art that I love so much. Oh, you know what? I forgot to ask you. Are you planning to do any tours around the country, or are you just sticking towards just uh, California? Well, I do, I do I do, a lot of auditioning in L.A., so it's hard for me to spend extended time out of L.A. Yeah. Uh, do, do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I, I – yeah, I do I, – I was supposed to be in Florida this weekend, but I just – I couldn't make the trip because of other things, but – I, I do get out as much as possible, but be staying here right now is currently important. Yeah. All right. So you said uh, fans can find you on Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, anything they want. Brian Moreno, Moreno the Alien. Yeah. Speaking of that, why do you call yourself Moreno the Alien? Uh, I mean, I, I could. That's to- stories. A lot of stories for another time. But uh, all right, I. I totally i I see things in a different way, so that's why I call myself an alien. Yeah. All right, well, thanks for coming on. Pleasure's been all mine, my my friend. And anytime you're in LA, make sure to look me up. Oh, we will do, and I hope you uh, come back on the show sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.